but we're glad that you're here today. I'm going to ask Brother Taylor to come and, and open this service. Um, uh, where two or more are gathered in his name, he said, there am I in the midst of them. Sandra and her husband work uh, crazy hours. They both work, and uh, they are here when they can be here. And he was apologetic for that last week. And I really appreciate him caring enough to want to come and, and uh, hug me and then say, we, we, we would be here if we could be here, and we will be here when we can be here. And uh, so I appreciated that very, very much. Uh, we're glad that you are here today. Uh, on the way in, uh, the Lord spoke to my heart about thanking him for every closed door. And we've had a lot of them. And they've been closed in order to direct us. And uh, uh, Paul got ready to go to one place, and the Holy Ghost forbade him. And he got ready to go to another place because he had God's great commission, go into all the world. He saw the need. He wanted to meet the need. He had God's appointing, God's anointing, and he had a mandate from God to go. But he didn't have the direction from God of when to go and where to go. Okay? So he got ready to go, and God wouldn't let him. He got ready to go here, and the Holy Ghost suffered him not. Now, it wasn't just that he was so sensitive to the Spirit, because if he was so sensitive to the Spirit and not looking for doors to open and close and interpret them as God's will, then he wouldn't have essayed to go where God didn't want him to be. That didn't mean he wasn't sensitive. It just means that nobody is that sensitive. Thank you. I'm glad there's amens here because some people think they are. Amen. God told me, God showed me, God told me, God showed me, God told me, God showed me. And God does speak to people. He does show people things. But some of the people that he shows everything about you and me, he can't show them anything about themselves. And something is wrong when that occurs. Amen. <laughs> That's called self-righteousness. And, and it's born out of pride. And God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. And he allows things, Brother Taylor, to keep us humble. Amen. And I'm humbled right now. I'm just humble before him and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm looking to you. I'm doing everything that I can. I'm knocking, seeking, asking, and waiting. And the waiting is the hard part. Amen. Wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord. By the way, waiting doesn't mean take a number and sit down and be patient. In Scripture, it means consistently seeking God in that interim. Actually, the word for wait in the Hebrew is to bind together by twisting. Isn't that amazing? You're actually active in your faith while you're not moving in a particular direction because you know God is in control. So I was on the way in, and, and the Lord spoke to my heart. It helps me to wait when he, when he does these things. He spoke to my heart and said, thank me for every closed door. And I didn't hesitate to thank him. I said, Lord, I thank you. Because if a, if a door opened that wasn't you, particularly in a lease situation, we lock in for a year. And I don't want to be locked in, trapped in a lease for a year in a place, even though it might be convenient at the moment, but a place where God doesn't really want us to be and where we can't be effective. Because a lease locks you in. I don't mind leasing where he wants us to be if that's the case. But uh, we've got to be cautioned. 
And what made me cautious about that, Brother Taylor, is when, they, when other pastors prayed for our direction and our church and our ministry, and they prayed for us. Uh, one of the persons leading in prayer said, Lord, don't let Brother Venable get, or his church, get trapped. Well, what is a trap? <laughs> it's a lease for a year. And if it's not where we're supposed to be, I'd rather be here waiting for that place than somewhere so we can say, oh, we've got a place. Look at here. We've got our sound set up. We've got these great chairs. And I did, I think, make a promise that we would all have those massager chairs that you lean back in. Oh, no, I, I don't think I did. <laughs> it's hard to stay awake anyway sometimes. Don't put me in a massage chair. Can you say amen? <laughs> I'd say, say amen, somebody. And, and uh, brother, brother Hobbs would go. <laughs> he's not here, but I'm picking on him anyway. Amen. We love him and appreciate him. And he's a fellow minister. And uh, as we worship today, it may be us today, and that'll be okay. I uh, wanted you to know and that we can just talk plainly about where we are. I'm doing everything. I have uh, Irv the Realtor. Irv the Realtor. That's, he is a church uh, property specialist, and I'm on his uh, mailing list. He's based in Orlando, but he covers all of Florida. And I put where we are located, Central Florida, Tampa, West Coast, got a lot of response from Irv because he really wants to be part of selling property. Amen. Uh, wonderful opportunities in South Florida. Wonderful opportunities uh, from Lakeland East. Wonderful opportunities, Jacksonville, Tallahassee, Cross City, uh, little places out of the way and big places. And, and better, actually better pricing in some of the other places than Tampa. Tampa is a very, very crowded market for anything. Now, that doesn't limit God at all. In fact, God likes the challenge. He likes to do things in this, in where, where things seem not just improbable, but impossible. For the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. So we're waiting on God to do his thing. Amen. And he might do it through Irv the Realtor. But then again, he might not need Irv at all. Praise God. But I'm glad we're here today. This is not a bad place. And it saved us, you know, uh, a storefront 1500 a month up. And we've been here three months. That's $4,500. And, and no light bill. Amen. And nothing to, to worry about that. So God has blessed us to be here. And uh, when we're all together, uh, we, we have a, the core is together right here today. You're part of that core, and we appreciate you. Uh, I want to clarify something else, too. I went through a very deep valley, uh, and I considered the possibility that God would give me, uh, you know, say it was okay for me to retire from pastoral ministry. Uh, don't think that pastoral ministry and preaching, the only way I could preach is as a pastor. I could preach at the drop of a hat, and he's willing to drop the hat. Okay, he coined that phrase, and that's, a, that's an honor. I appreciate that. I'm called to preach, and I'm called to pastor slash evangelist. Uh, most of the time, people that uh, come to our ministry find out it's not like your normal, you know, pat on the back, pet on the head ministry. It's a challenge in ministry. 
everyone is challenged. I myself am challenged. Sometimes after I preach, I have to go home and pray for myself. I preach myself under conviction. Praise God. Is it all right with you that the preacher takes it to heart? Bible said, let the husbandman, the person who's in charge of the, the field, the crops, be the first partaker. That, that means of the fruit. It should be me first before, any, before I could have an expectation of anyone else. If I preach forgiveness, it applies to me first. If I preach about getting rid of every sin and weight that besets us, then I go home and do an inventory uh, and make sure the sin is confessed if there is and dealt with effectively through the blood of Jesus and through faith in that blood of Jesus. And then secondarily, to look at what is impeding me personally in my own spiritual journey. Amen. And, and deal with it. And I went home and dealt with some things and changed some things, priorities and, and time management and time spent in prayer and, and uh, time spent in, in front of the television. My son gives me his hand-me-down TVs, and he upgrades about every two to three years. So he, he hands me a 65-inch OLED. You don't know about OLED? It's not an LED. It is a big flat screen, but it's the newest technology, and it is beautiful, I must say. Amen. <laughs> it, it's a high-def, 4K uh, HDR. That's all. I could work for Best Buy. We went with him so many times to, to uh, just put a blue shirt. In fact, I go to Best Buy with him often because I want to encourage him to get a new TV. <laughs> So he passes the other one down to me. Praise God. I don't even need the other one now. I got the other one, and it's a great one. And But the deal is, when it's that pretty, just looking at it for the beauty, you know, it's eye candy, and it can, it can, it can grab you and take away time that you could use. Uh, you know, not, everything is not sinful or you know what Paul said? He said everything's lawful. In other words, I'm not under the strictness of the law. It's a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. I, it's, it's not that I'm violating it purposely, but the law is not what is making me righteous. But, but he said everything is lawful for me, but everything is not convenient for me. There are things that I'm going to lay down. I've had so many people come to me, Brother Taylor, and say, I don't, I don't see in the Bible where it's wrong to do that. Well, you know, it may not be a, a, a scripture saying that's sin, you ought to not do it, but it may be something in the way of your spiritual progress impeding you from running with patience the race that's set before you. And when you come to the place of love and devotion to Jesus that you don't only want to deal with the sin issue, you want to deal with what's in the way, the weight. Never seen a runner running oh yeah they do it in paris island when you're training for the marines but but to run a race and win it boston marathon have you ever seen anybody carry uh some huge weight on their shoulder running that marathon no amen lay aside the weight that does so easily beset you and run with patience perseverance the race that is set before you we're dealing with running the race and winning the prize right now on our Bible study on our website. It's a good Bible study. 
to encourage people to, if you're in the race, to run it with perseverance. If you're out of the race, to get back in the race. Hallelujah. Because it's not too late. Hallelujah. Amen. So God is good today. And, and I have a new, uh, renewed vision. Without a vision, the people perish. I want to clarify that. This is good that we can have this conversation before the service. Uh, without a vision, the people perish. Context of that is in prophets who do not have the word of the Lord to bring to God's people. They don't have the vision, and they can't bring God's truth to God's people. It would read like this in the Hebrew, and it's a little different than we use it and have heard it. So I want you to hear it like it's written. Without a clear word from God in the mouth of the prophets, the people lose all moral restraints. That's different, isn't it? Because we're talking about prophets, not with a vision to build their ministry and their reputation with it. To build and expand the church building and to do this. and with the, No, it's not even a vision for the lost initially. That is, that's old covenant. It's not about New Testament evangelism. Right? This is the old covenant. Without a clear, do you understand the context? We can take that and use it in the New Testament. If we don't raise our eyes and look on the fields, we're going to lose the harvest. There's the vision in the New Testament. But it's important to get that, isn't it? Because we got so many people with a vision to bring people in to meet the budget, to expand and build a bigger church building. And when we run out of things to do, we just build a building called a family life center. And I'm not against that, but I'm saying the vision has to be to bring God's word to God's people because we've never been in a day when there's been more sin in the lives of God's people than this day, of God's people, of church-going people, and not just in the pew, but in the pulpit. So if you slip and say a four-letter word while preaching, some circles think it's cool. You're really practical and you're personal and you're one of us. But if you say the three-letter word too much, you're going to get in hot water. And that word is sin. Amen. But Jesus came to die so our sins could be forgiven. And so sin would no longer reign. That means it's not the part, it's not ruling us any longer. Amen. It's not the predominant we don't have a bent towards sin. We actually have a bent toward righteousness. Can you say amen? So I want you to know that I still have a vision. And that vision is to bring the clear word of God to this generation. To preach the gospel as it's written to a generation that's part of the falling away. To preach the gospel as it is written to a generation that is in the process, many, of losing the first love. Not only does it need to be rekindled from people that had it and lost it, I am convinced there are people that the first love has never been kindled in the first place. There are a lot of people that need things from God that don't love him. I, I, my son loves me. I know he loves me, but he also needed me. And he didn't have to love me to get his need met. 
He didn't have to do that. I didn't demand uh, when he came to borrow something from me. <laughs> I didn't say, do you love me? Do you really love me? Uh, Dad, you know I love you. Can I borrow your lawnmower? If you really love me, you'd mow my yard. Amen. No, I didn't do that. No. He didn't have to love me to get his need met. And when God is just dispensing money and healings and deliverances and whatever our individual needs are, and he's a need-meeting God, don't get me wrong. But if that's what's stimulating people to come, you don't have to love him. You don't have to love him for that. But if the cross is the centerpiece of the ministry, it stimulates loving people for Jesus Christ. And when we love him back for loving us, there's a devotion that comes. Praise God. And I want to preach God's truth in the shadow of his cross in every message. Hallelujah. I want to see people fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with God. Because when they do, all of the disciplines fall into place to be a disciple. And he didn't just say, go and make church members. He said, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples unto me out of all nations. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You know what a disciple is? It's someone who is not only following the teachings of their master, but those who are becoming like him. They're becoming like him. What they see in him is what they want to be. Can you say amen? Well, having said that sermon, we're going to let our brother pray. Hallelujah. For the presence of God here today. So Marlena used to sing a song many times, and it never failed to move me. Because sometimes I'd come to church and I was worn thin, and she would sing, I ain't no ways tired. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Well, I'm not tired right now, so I'm not retired. Amen. <laughs> I'm going forward, and everyone's not going to go, and that never happens. And we're sifted. There weren't many of us to sift, but we have been going through a sifting. And did you know anyone that was sifted through the sifting had already left in their heart? Thank you for the hearty amens. They had already left in their heart. They didn't leave because we moved. They left because their heart wasn't in it when we moved. And you can think and ponder it. That's the truth. And there's no, and it's okay. Because I don't want anyone here whose heart isn't in it. You say, well, they were offended by this, offended by that. Wait a minute. If your heart's in it and you love like Jesus said to love, you're not easily offended. Because love is not puffed up, doesn't seek its own way. It's not easily offended. Can you say amen? But when love isn't there, real divine love in the heart, people can quit each other over any little thing. But there is a love that covers a multitude of sins. It means it recognizes faults in people, but it doesn't let those faults keep us from fellowship together. 
and worship together and working together. Amen? But if it isn't there, then every fault is magnified. Every character trait that is unchristlike is magnified, and we're easily offended. Someone said the other day when I went to slash my credit card, don't slash anymore. How many got chips? And I said, I started to slash. I said, you have a chip because I'd forgot, you know, when the chip thing started that the new card has a chip on it. You don't slash it anymore. I said, you have a chip. I said, you know, I do. Thank you. And I put it in. And I said, but it's on my card, not on my shoulder. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I don't walk around easily offended because there is a love. There is a love. It's not a religious brand. It's the love of God. Hallelujah. That held Jesus to the cross. And believe me, that love is not easily offended. Can you say amen? It's a stubborn love because there is a friend. It's hard to find them. And it's not about Jesus. It's about a true friend. It can be and normally is applied to Jesus there. How many has ever heard this? There is a friend that sticks closer than a family member, than a brother. There's a, if you've got a friend like that, you've got a treasure from God because that is hard to find. Amen. Even in circles, religious circles, church circles. But there is a friend, and there's no, in a, in a reference Bible, there are stars be, beside Old Testament scriptures that are prophetic or pertaining to Jesus Christ. Now, we apply that to Jesus because what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. But it's talking about true friendship. And what qualifies true friendship? It says a friend loves at all times. Well, that pretty much eliminates a whole bunch of folks. Because if you offend in any little degree, they'll walk away from you. Now, I've done this for 45 years, so I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Bum, ba, bum, 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 bum. We've seen a few things, so we know a few things. Amen? Oh, for a friend. Like that. I heard a pastor and I got to do this. Brother Taylor, just, I don't want you to have to stand up all this time. And I want you to pray right there. And then you can go back by your dear wife. I was at a pastor's meeting. And there was a man clearly in his mid-70s. He'd been in the ministry for over 40 years, just like me. And he stood up there, and he started to weep. And his precious wife was sitting at the table that we were sitting at. And he was just sharing a testimony of how much it meant to have another minister understand where he was coming from. And if you've never stood in a pulpit and ministered and took all the responsibility to God for the congregation, responsibilities to the state of florida to the federal government to 
to uh, just <laughs> buck stops here. And you assume that in all of those years of being in those hospitals, conducting those weddings, those baptisms, those funerals, those counseling sessions, those times of intercessory prayer, when people are in the worst crisis of their life, that you are there. And many times you're leaving your own family and things that they need in order to be there. And you assume that people will not take that for granted, that that will be very meaningful, that they might even love you at all times because you've been there for them. It's not true. It's a harsh reality. That's why 1,700, oh, I'm sorry, the statistic has changed. 1,900 ministers will walk away from churches, pulpits, and pastoring this month. When this month is over, in America, not globally, not na but nationally, right here. Why is that occurring? Well, they wasn't really called. If they were really called, oh, honey, Jeremiah was really called. But you know what he said at one point in his ministry? You know what he said? He was there. He's been there. He didn't stop. He said, I wish I lived. I wish I lived in a house so far out in the wilderness, and I'm going to use my language that GPS couldn't even direct you to me. That's Jeremiah. I wish I had a house in the wilderness that even a, the only way you could find me, I'm putting it in practical terms, personal terms. The only way you could find me is if you got lost in the woods and stumbled upon my house. Because I'm, I'm called of God, I'm appointed of God, I'm anointed of God, and people aren't listening. I don't see a convert in Jeremiah's ministry. I see a whole nation that didn't listen to God's message nor his messenger. And he was known as the weeping prophet, wasn't he? It broke his heart. And it almost broke his spirit. Because when he told them what was coming, they considered him unpatriotic and unloving and unkind because he told them the truth from God. And they smacked him on the face and they put him in a dungeon. And he sunk down in the mire, that meant the kind of dungeon he was in, Brother Taylor, was a dungeon with great work on the top. It was a hole in the ground, and the moisture, like the rain is bringing right now, seeped into the ground and made it just muddy and miry. And God's servant, God's personal choice to send to Israel his message, God's messenger, is now up to his knees in the muck and the dampness, and the dirt. And, and no one is responding. It's not like he's suffering because a great revival has broken out. No, he's suffering not only in his physical being, but emotionally and mentally. And he said, I, this is why 1900 are leaving the ministry. He said, I will no longer speak for the Lord. 
all it's got me. See the 70-year-old the guy, 70-something-year-old guy? He's weeping. He said, I have been a pastor for all of these years, and my wife and I sat down the other day and said, do we have a true friend out of all these years of sowing into people? Is there a, a friend, biblically defined friend? Did we make a friend? Because when you're in a denominational system in particular, they send you packing every few years. And when you leave, it doesn't mean anything. Whatever you did and sewn in, it's all forgotten. You send out Christmas cards, but you don't get any back. People, I had a lady come after 30 years of being gone from our church when we were at Sitka. Came to visit us one time, and after church, she said, Brother Venable, you'll always be my pastor. And I, I, I took that as a compliment. She said, it wasn't God when I left your church. It wasn't God. And I said, well, it's okay. <laughs> I haven't been carrying some grudge or anything. It, you know, people, God moves people sometimes. But a lot of times, people just don't love enough to want to be together. Love is not puffed up. It seeks not its own way. It's not overly sensitive. It's not easily offended. But if someone don't love you, after a while, they won't even like you. And when they don't love you and they don't like you, when you offend in anything, big or small, doesn't matter, it's going to have the same results. I'm going to quit you. I'm done with you. And the hand says to the foot, what the Bible said the hand should never say to. See, we quit recognizing each other as part of the same body. Say, I don't have to be a friend to him. I don't have to keep caring about him. I don't have to keep loving her. I'm under no obligation. Because when it's all said and done, it's not about the body. It's about me. And when that occurs, the body has a virus. The body is now diseased. And so here's this poor guy standing up there saying, we don't have a friend. We've spent all these years being there for people in the t worst crisis of their life, and we don't have a friend. And I just wanted to go up and hug him. And I know Jesus is going to reward us. And I know Jesus, when, when we get to heaven on that day, the crown is waiting. But on this day, in a lot of ministers' lives, they're hurting. And many of them are flat out quitting because they can't take the pressure and the pain. And so I said, Lord, what did Jeremiah do down in there? He said, well, he didn't do anything initially except what he felt deep within. Inside of him, there was an anointing upon him, and he felt it in the mire. 
with Israel <laughs> rejecting everything that he brought to them. He said, I couldn't stay. I could not hold my peace. For it was as fire shut up in my bones. Wow. Hallelujah. And uh, I believe that fire is in Brother Taylor's bones. Praise God. Brother Taylor moving a little slower than he used to. But his body has had a, a long time to work. But when he takes the mic and prays, if you couldn't see him, I would say he's 35 to 40 years of age. God is good. And it's because of that fire shut up in his bones. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Jesus looked over Jerusalem with a broken heart. And he cried out. He groaned. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that kill the prophets, stone them that are sent to you. How many times would I have taken you under my wing as a mother hen does her chicks, and you would not let me. You wouldn't let me love you like that, protect you like that. Provide for you like that. Ha. Ah. And yet, he continued to bring God's message of reconciliation and message of love and message of hope. Can you say amen? And he was still preaching it on the cross. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And his closest, he thought, friends and disciples had already denied him, rejected him, distanced themselves from him. Incredible. They got so angry and so upset when they went out with him evangelizing, when there was wholesale rejection of the message. They said, let's call fire down out of heaven. They don't want to hear it. Let judgment fall on them. Let's call fire. Jesus, you call fire down out of heaven. I'm glad Jesus was in charge and not them. Are you glad for that today? <laughs> There'd be a whole lot of crispy critters. In <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I have never wanted to call fire down out of heaven on someone who has failed me or, or hurt me. Or, and, and you know something? This is a humbling time for me right now that I'm going through. I'm being humbled by it, but I'm not broken. Hallelujah. I still have a desire to bring God's message in this falling away time. I cannot give up on revival, Brother Taylor. I cannot. I must not. Somebody has got to hold on. Somebody has got to hold out. Someone has to seek him till he come, not until we're done. Can you say amen? But seek him until he come and do what? Rain righteousness on us. Hallelujah. Praise God. One time my wife and I were talking and, and said, honey, if, if you retire, where would we go to church? I said, I don't know, but it'd have to be a good one. 
I would be, <laughs> I've been spoiled by the anointing. I've been spoiled by the worship of God that's not just going through a routine not just, or just trying to stimulate an emotionalism instead of true spiritual devotion to Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. But God has been good and God has been faithful. And I'm so glad that we were on television in Pakistan. Amen. Talking to ministers that are under worse than just heartache and heartbreak, but the threat, they lay their life on the line. The Taliban has its real stronghold in Pakistan for those ministers to preach Jesus and baptize believers. And, and you, you sent me a picture of a man in India, I believe, baptizing in something smaller than that thing we had, little concrete something that you had to squeeze into baptizing believers in India. Praise God. And I thought, he's, he's inconvenienced. He, it's, it, it's, he's threatened every day of his life. His whole family could be brutally murdered just for preaching Jesus under those conditions. And yet he's preaching Jesus. If he can do it under those conditions, I can do it here. Can you say man? And so I be, began to encourage those ministers in Pakistan to to. Stay the course. Not be dissuaded or discouraged. The king is coming soon. And he said his reward is with him. And you say, man, so if you're looking for your reward here, forget about it. Come on, uh, New Jersey. Forget about it. <laughs> Amen. Just forget about it. Amen. And I'm embracing a scripture, Brother Taylor, that's helping me to stay the course. Whatever you do. I'm applying it to my ministry what, and my personal walk with God. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. First, vertically. Not unto men. You will do it unto men, but do it initially unto the Lord. For you shall be rewarded by the Lord Christ. People will not always appreciate you or me. There have been people call your house more than they call my house for prayer. Because you were more accessible. <laughs> Somebody called the other day and said, I called Brother Venable and he, he, uh, I got an answering service. Well, of course you did. Everyone does. I do not sit by the phone, nor do I pick it up every time it rings. Because somebody's telling me I just want a trip to somewhere. And I don't want to go there. Even if I had wanted, I don't want to go there. And I don't want to be bothered. But I said, did you... Leave a message and say, Brother Rumble, can you call me? Never missed one. Never missed one. It's amazing how people think. But anyway, moving past that and moving right along, I'm happy to pray for anybody, with anybody, come into spiritual agreement. And I'm so happy that we are not where we were because we were going nowhere fast. I'm glad we're right where we are, including the sifting. You know why I'm glad? Because we are going somewhere slow. <laughs> Can I say this? I'd rather be going somewhere slow than nowhere fast. <laughs> Amen? We're not sitting still. We're not becoming stagnant. In fact, it's when we sold as an answer to a fleece that my vision became renewed. I said, Lord, there's somebody out there that's like 
some of these people right here that honor the Word of God, that come to church because of the Word of God. It's not the amenities that bring them. It's a clear word, this vision that I'm talking about. Without a vision, a clear word from God in the mouth of the messenger, in the mouth of the prophet, the people lose all moral restraints. Israel was in a moral decline because the prophets were not bringing Thus saith the Lord. They were not standing with such a clear word and a, such a commitment to it that would say, this is the way. Walk ye in it. I was at a, a, a meeting this Tuesday. And the guy that was speaking at that pastor's luncheon, and I went there because I was scheduled to speak, and a, a friend of mine that's in ministry was scheduled to speak. And that friend of mine in ministry, that's why we're here today. Amen. That friend of mine in ministry, not denominationally sharing the same perspective, but I did notice that we left our bottle last week. We forgot our bottle of anointing oil. Not only is it still here, it hasn't been used up. You don't get that. This is a Baptist church. Anyway, moving right along. But he's been experimenting. He's been praying for the sick, according to James 5, 14. And he knows that I'm a tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled preacher. But he knows that I love the Lord and I'm a man of God and a man of the word and believe what I believe because and I can give a biblical foundation for where my faith is in my walk with God. Hallelujah. And he's honored that and he's become a friend to this ministry. And I appreciate not paying fifteen hundred a month. You know what they you know what they wanted? The motel four hundred and thirty four dollars. They didn't even vacuum the floor. It was dirty. I didn't complain because I don't want to go back. There's no point in it. <laughs> Next time we come, we'd like, if we're going to pay that kind of money, we would sure like the floor to be vacuumed. I mean, it's the least you can do. I mean, it was pretty, but you know, you know what I'm saying. I vacuum at home, for heaven's sakes. I help Pamela out. I mean with a vacuum cleaner. Hallelujah. This is a thankless job if you're in it professionally. You have to look past the moment. My uncle was in ministry for over 20 years. He was the same kind of guy. He was there for everybody, for everything. He was there even at the expense of his own family relationships. So those relationships begin to break down. And when he burnt out... The organization was ashamed of him. His overseer, when he was going through nervous breakdown, came to his home in Fort, Fort Myers when he was so sick, and we went down to pray with him and for him. He was so sick, and his nerves went. He went through nervous exhaustion. And his overseer, are you ready for this? Because he was a disappointment to them. Because they were ashamed that one of their ministers was going through something like that. 
And his overseer came, knocked on the bedroom door. He was down on his knees on the floor weeping, my uncle. He came in the door and said, you need to get yourself together. You're a minister in the church of... Well, this is no aspersions on the denomination, but on that particular overseer. You're a minister in the church of God. You need to get your act together. You need to get a hold of yourself. You need to get a hold of God. You need to get in that pulpit and do your job. And you know what? It broke him even more. This man went from this status that he had as a celebrity in Christendom and television ministry. He went to a a man who was defrocked and dismayed and discouraged. He said, the first cell that I was in, I was in a cell by myself. There was a man in a cell next to me. And Jim Baker's still crazy, in my opinion, in certain things. But anyway, God bless him. He's back with the Lord. And that's the bottom line with me. Uh, uh, a man in the, they had a plumbing problem. And a man had the flu and had vomiting and diarrhea in the cell next to him. And when he flushed over there, it came up and over into Jim's cell. So to go from wearing tailored suit, yes, ma'am, that is awful. To go from this person in this position to that person in that position. If that isn't humbling, I don't know what is. He stood right after he got out of prison. Thank God for God's restoration and reclaiming and restoring grace and mercy. He stood in what, when the Carpenter's Home was the biggest church in Central Florida at the time, one of the first mega churches in Florida. He stood before 10,000 people on a Sunday morning after he got out of prison. And he said these words. He said, I would never want to go through what I went through. Ever again, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. But he said, I learned more about Jesus through that experience than I ever knew about him while I was looking into that television camera and quoting scripture. I found out more about his love. I found out more about his grace. I found out more about his mercy. The Apostle Paul said it one time. He said it my first answer when he went to one city to preach. No man stood with me nobody i was completely ministering without any of the brethren or other disciples or anybody else to stand in agreement with me nevertheless christ stood by me and strengthened me that the preaching might be made fully known hallelujah The anointing, there's nothing like it. It's Christ standing by you. It's not just power coming on you. It's a person that is with you and within you. (laughs) And I feel him right here and right now today. 
You sense the anointing of God is here. Listen, I want you to know how to pray for ministers and how to pray for me. But I want you to know something. Amen. God has given me the vision back. And it's not to sit in a rocking chair and write my memoirs. I was at a funeral one time and (laughs) I, 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 I introduced myself to a young minister that was at that funeral. He looked to be about 30 years old and he was bright eyed and bushy tailed. He was ready to go get it. And he said, how long have you been in minister? I said, well, at that time, it was about 38, 39. No, no, no. Yeah, 38 or 39 years. I said, I'm pushing 40 years, four decades. If you count the time before I started in full-time ministry, it would be 40 years. I said, someday, I'm going to write a book. I said that tongue-in-cheek. And he looked at me seriously. And he said, if you write a book, I want to buy it. Because he was a young man starting into ministry, and he found out early on that it's not exactly what he thought it would be. (laughs) He thought, I'm going to preach the gospel, and all these Christians are going to get revived, and all these sinners are going to get saved. (laughs) Hallelujah. And we're just going to come together in love and victory and revival and... What happens when all the sinners don't get saved? And what happens when all the Christians don't experience revival? And what happens when you get the blame for both? Anyway, he said, I want to buy the book. So that's why the platform I have now to minister to ministers in areas other than America and someday probably in America. Because I'm still standing. I still have a vision, Brother Taylor. Amen. And I am not tired. I'm disappointed many times. And it can lead to discouragement. And I have been in deep valleys of discouragement. But I have a clear word from the Lord to bring. And I'm convinced that it's going somewhere for some purpose. Praise God. And that's why I want to keep on bringing the Word of God in some context to whoever will listen, whoever will appreciate it, whoever will appropriate it, whoever will give heed to it. Because I have this promise, my Word will not return to me void. But it will prosper. It's like the rain that comes down out of heaven, snow that waters the earth, causes it, cause and effect to bring forth and to bud. So shall the word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will accomplish that that I desire. It will, and this is what people need to get a hold of, it will prosper in the thing whereto I sent it can you say man that seed in you and me will grow and flourish and bring forth fruit can you say man hallelujah blessed is the man that stands not in the counsel of the ungodly nor sits in the seat of the of 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 the scornful nor walketh in the way of sinners but his delight is in the law of the lord and in his law he doth meditate day and night Biblical reason for a Sunday morning, Sunday evening service? No, I'm just kidding, but it would be good for us all. You can't get enough. 
you can't get too much of the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And, and if his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates and he's not listening to the culture, he's not listening to the, to the, the world's uh, uh, counsel, but a God's counsel, he will be like a tree that is planted by a river of water. Amen. Who will cease not from yielding its fruit. Fruitfulness. And part of that fruit is faithfulness to God. Can you say amen? Will come forth in the life of those people. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Got a call from Indiana some years ago. Indianapolis. And a mother and son. The father had committed suicide. The mother and son were so broken by this and they couldn't understand why this had happened and and they said they 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 went back in the closet got out a box of tapes that they had taken with them from the holy church of god you remember the holy church of god in sulfur springs they had tapes from way back then they said we reached in at random and pulled out a tape brother venable these are the old cassette tapes and said, we put it in our tape player. Said, we didn't have one in the house, but we had an old car that still had a cassette player in it. Said, we went out and sat in the car and listened to the sermon. And said, the anointing of God was on the word. And the word got a hold of us. It gave us counsel. It gave us comfort. It gave us hope. It produced faith within us. Amen. We received what we needed from God to get through this. Though we had a thousand questions, we didn't question God anymore. And he helped us through it. And we wanted to roll down the windows and turn the volume all the way up so everybody on our block could hear the message. Woo! Good boy. boy. That was like an attaboy. In fact, it was like a sickum to a bird dog. It made me want to keep preaching. You know why? Because somebody was receiving. And it wasn't because of my delivery. It was because of the anointing that's on the Word of God. The anointing on me to deliver it can capture someone's attention. But it's the Word itself that's going to do the work. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So I'm not tired teaching and preaching. I feel an, an, an invigoration from God. Without a vision. Say it with me. Without a vision. The people perish. Now say it with me in context. Without a clear word from God. In the mouth of the prophet. The people lose all moral restraints. It means there is no clear, delineated word to the people. They don't have someone standing and saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. Without apology, without exception. I heard a guy speak. To pastors that is also a, and he's a Christian man, don't get me wrong here. He's not a secular man, but he's so good at fundraising. He raises funds for St. Jude's. He gives them the pattern for raising their money for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So they like his principles that he brings. But he was saying you can't 
you can't get people to follow Christ like you used to get people to follow Christ. You can't just give them what the scriptures say and expect them to be that devoted. You have to, in other words, we have to find some modern way in the postmodern world to the younger generation, 35 and under, to get them to follow Christ. You've got to stimulate it with something other than just thus saith the Lord. In fact, they draw back from thus saith the Lord. And I thought, you know what you're giving up to get their attention and to try to get their attendance? You know what you're giving up? You know what's missing? Devotion to Jesus. We're saying they will not be that devoted. We cannot get them to do it because of the cross. We can't get them to do it because of the Christ. We can't get them to love him enough when it says, thus saith the Lord, to put the flesh on the cross in order to follow him. We can't get them to crucify the flesh. We've got to work within the context of uncrucified flesh and undevoted disciples. In fact, that's a misnomer. That's a contradiction of terms. You can't not be devoted and be a disciple. Because the first prerequisite for a disciple is self-denial. If any man would follow me, let him indulge himself. No, let him deny himself without devotion that won't float that's why we've got to have a revival that awakens that devotion i'm not talking about rekindling i'm talking about kindling the first love the reason the great fallen away is here is clear many false prophets shall go out into the earth and that, listen, if there's a clear word from God, it will come as thus saith the Lord. And if you've got a problem with God ruling over you, you can never, ever say the Lord is my shepherd because you are in no wise his sheep. Because my sheep not only know my voice or familiar with it and recognize it, they're committed to the shepherd. They hear it to obey it. So many times, this is so fitting in pastoral ministry, evangelistic ministry, in the falling away that we're in right now. I work for Tampa Electric as I try to close here. I worked for Tampa Electric for over five years. I, I started working when they were building the Tampa International Airport. Eastern Service Area, Anderson Road, down close to the airport, actually, West Tampa. I moved from there to Palm River on Highline Crew, working the big carrier line, 69,000 volts, 130,000 volts, and then I transferred to Plant City. Wow, I was glad to get to Plant City. Boy, what a relief it was to go out on a line crew and and have smoked mullet. My job as equipment operator was like the guy that was in the wagon train, Charlie Wooster. I don't know if you remember Rawhide. He was the cook. He was the cook. He, he had the chuck wagon. Well, I turned the line truck into a chuck wagon, and they'd go out and net mullet, these country boys, redneck fellers. Lord, I love them. 
Amen. And they'd bring that smoke mullet, they'd wrap it up. It's already cooked to smoke. They'd wrap it up in, uh, in, in tin foil. And then they would get what they call crowder peas and, and uh, these different kind of vegetables in a jar, a little small mason jar. And so my job was an hour before lunch to open the hood of the line truck that I operated to set poles and hang transformers and, and drill these, uh, uh, you know, anchors into the ground. <laughs> and so I would take all their lunches and all that lunch and stuff. Of course, they brought me smoke mullet too. And I would take it and, and put it all on the motor and place it in a way all over that V8 motor that it would heat it all up piping hot for lunch. And sometimes we'd go to another job, and I would actually pray because these linemen are looking forward to their meal. Lord, don't let nothing fall off that motor. I would drive so careful, taking corners, because if, if, if that fish fell off that motor and that fish wasn't there, they were holding me accountable. My first, my first taste of what pastoring might be like being held accountable, even if it wasn't my fault. <laughs> Amen. And I, I prayed. I said, Lord, don't let nothing go wrong. <laughs> and we would get out to the next job, and I would open the hood, and there it was. And Oh, what a joy it was. And, oh, we'd be so thirsty. And they would take their drinks. They would do this. This is the only thing they did. They took their drinks, and they put them in the ice cooler that we drank out of, the igloo thing that had the button we drank out of. Oh, but they were not uncouth. Emily Post would have been proud of them because before they reached into it to get their cold drink out of the water that we drank out of, the only water we could drink out of, they would roll their sleeve up. And they would go over to the Gojo dispenser. Remember Gojo with the little grit in it to cut grease off of you? And from the elbow down, they would roll their shirt up past their elbow. Had to use long sleeve shirts because of a possible contact, brush contact with a wire. Had to button it. They'd roll it up. Uh, and then they would go to the Gojo dispenser and wash their arm from the elbow down with Gojo. I'm going to tell you something about Gojo. Not only will it, it it's a very good cleanser. But it has a very strong odor. And that odor translates into taste. They would put their arm down in there and get their drink out. But it's a very sanitary arm. That old hairy arm has now been gojoed. <laughs> and there's a point in the day. They were used to it. I wasn't used to it yet. But I got used to it. You get thirsty out there. You're out in the hot sun all day long. And you go get your drink of water out of a cup out of that dispenser, and it tastes just like Gojo. And I thought, well, one good thing, you know, look for the silver lining. They at least Gojoed their arm before they stuck it down in there. <laughs> the taste of Gojo in my water means they cleaned their arm before they stuck it down in the water. I know, I know, she's a good person to express the ooze Amen. So I'm not going to look for an amen from you. Uh, Paige, I'm going to look for ooh, <laughs> amen. Because that's the same as an amen sometimes. And I learned, to, I learned to humble myself. To humble myself. To humble myself. Jeremiah humbled himself and said, I cannot stay. I must speak. Ministry is not glamorous, and it's only glorious 
in the sense than it's in our teaching this week in our Bible study that there is a crown of glory, Paul said, that Christ is going to give me. But it's not going to be on this day. It's going to be on that day. And sometimes in order to get past this day, you've got to look past this day to that day. He even said because of all the persecutions and suffering, suffering? Are you kidding me? Suffering? He said, I suppose the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us on that day. Everybody say that day. You've got to live for that day. Not just this day. Some people quit God because they don't believe he's rewarding them enough for their faithfulness in this day. Well, all the reward doesn't come in this day. We're supposed to be laying up treasure for that day. Don't lay up your treasure on the earth. Why? Because the thief can steal it. The moth can corrupt it. The rust can rust it out. But lay up your treasure where? Where the thief can't touch it. Where the rust can't hurt it where nothing can corrupt it, where it's safe and secure for all eternity. Lay up your treasure in heaven. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God for where a man's treasure is. There is where his heart's going to be. Now, I'm going to tell you something, Brother Taylor. There's a crown of glory awaiting those that faithfully serve God. And there's a, there's a crown uh, of righteousness. There's a crown of life hallelujah praise god i am running for the prize of the high calling of jesus christ and i'm not out of the race so a man said and and while we quit talking about pastors and about me i want you to know how to pray for me and where i'm coming from amen i believe god is going to bless us with favor I believe he's going to open doors. He's already opened them for me personally. But I want to bring people with me, to stand with me. Two are better than one. For if one falleth. And where are you going to go, by the way? Are you just going to go sit somewhere and be idle and have no more responsibility? Where are you going to do something significant for God? If you go to a church where everybody's done got a job and everybody's doing their job and you can just sit there and absolutely do nothing, are you going to be happy doing nothing? Not me either. I want to do something for the Lord. I want to be investing in something. I want to be part of something where it is absolutely needed. I don't want to be somewhere where I'm not needed. I sure don't want to be somewhere where I'm not wanted. And I don't want to be just part of the frozen chosen. I want to be challenged on Sunday. Where would you go to church, Brother Venable? Amen. I don't know, but it had to be a good one. They better challenge me. They better not play with me when I come in. I know all the games. I just heard a guy that is just as comfortable selling a marketing plan to, to a, a hospital organization as he is a Christian organization. They're not one and the same. Amen. We need a revival. In the church of Jesus Christ. And I haven't given up on the 35 or younger crowd. I believe they can come to Christ. I believe they can fall in love with Jesus. I believe they can follow Jesus in this downstream world. But only a true revival can bring that kind of devotion. But if we give up on them and we edit the Bible. 
and we tone it down and we don't bring that clear word. We've lost the vision for them becoming followers of Jesus, true followers of Christ. We're just accommodating them. And all the video games in the basement of our big church for them to play. And the skating course and the rap music with the big beat that draws them out for the fun and games will not make them disciples of Jesus. It'll make them enjoy going to that church because it's a lot of fun. This is about the faith. This is not about just having fun. Oh, but when keeping the faith becomes fun, when you love the Lord and you love to serve him, and it's not a job, it's a joy. And when Jesus says something to you and says, would you do this for me? And you say, I'd be happy to. That's when you've arrived somewhere spiritually. I'd be glad to serve the Lord with what? With gladness, all ye lands. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Come before his presence with singing. Let the heart of them, oh, this is a key to revival, and you just don't hear it enough. We hear about fasting and praying and all of the other things, and they're all important. Oh, but it said, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Can you say, man, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. When God turned the captivity of Zion, we were as those that dream. Hallelujah. Then were our hearts, our mouth filled with song and our tongues filled with song and our mouth filled with laughter. Everybody say, ha ha. He he. Ha ha. Hallelujah. Our mouth was filled with laughter. What? Joyfully seeking God. The joy of the Lord. Because we know if you seek me with all of your heart, you're going to find me. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Let's try to end on a high note here. So I walk away from a meeting without edification, given instruction by someone that says you can't do it like Jesus did it. You can't do it like the apostles did it. You've got to find a new way to market the gospel and market Christ if you're going to reach this generation. So all of you people over 30 or 35, you are outdated and you need to be updated without a vision without a vision without a clear word not from someone who's found a way to stimulate giving monetarily and materially and to show up in meetings no without a vision a clear word from God in the mouth of his prophets the people lose all moral restraints. And right now we're seeing people going to church and Jesus is not Lord of their life. They are simply going to church because it's been toned down to accommodate them. And whatever you do, don't rock that boat. 
That's the boat that will bring them in. That's the boat that will give you the money you need for your building. That's the boat that will bring in the money that you need and the people, because people draw people and young people draw other young people. Every one of those young people need to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Go and not just get church members to support your ministry. Go and make disciples unto me. There's a far difference in making a disciple to Jesus and getting someone to become a member of your church, your organization, to partner with you for your vision, which is to build your church and your organization, not his kingdom. And I said, you know something? I just spent over an hour of my time listening to someone who doesn't have faith that God can revive anybody under 35. As far as I'm concerned, he needs a revival. The speaker needs to be revived, and he needs a vision. Because we're not raising money. As wonderful as St. Jude's are, it's not money for a hospital that's doing great good. This is for the furthering of the kingdom of our God. And when this gospel of the kingdom is preached, not just anyone's form of gospel, but the gospel of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is where he reigns in undisputed authority. Can you say, man, it's people who call him Lord. Oh, I've got to finish this. We're almost done. We haven't even sung yet. We haven't even received the offering. Listen very carefully. Because he humbled himself, was obedient to the death of the cross. Therefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name which is named of things in heaven and earth and beneath the earth that at the sound of his name people would confess his title. Listen to me carefully. It's not just Jesus. You can claim Jesus all day long. This goes beyond just the name. Jesus was one of the most common names in Aramaic during the time of Jesus. It was a common name. They were naming their kids after Joshua, the great deliverer of Israel and leader of Israel, for years, hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene. Jesus was common. Took my car to Western Auto one time. and They worked on it and they fixed it and the mechanic signed what he had done so I'd know who to say, you know, messed it up anyway, if it wasn't right. And guess what his name was? I said, honey, look, we don't have any more problems with this car. I know it's fixed right now because J-E-S-U-S, Jesus in Spanish. But I pronounced it like it was written. I said, Jesus, just fix my car. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And the woman, he charged me $150, and I thought it was going to be $300. Bless Jesus' heart. It wasn't just the name. Anyone can claim the name 
Amen. But it gets deeper. Or listen, let's close with it. It gets deeper. This is why the fire is shut up inside of me. Because I cannot give up on the 35 and under and try to stimulate them to come in and bring the energy that the church needs to grow because the old folks, they just kind of, you know, they just don't much care. It's all a given. Jesus died for me. Oh, hallelujah. I've been singing about it for all these years. Going to sing about it till he comes. No, I believe there can be a revival among seniors. I, be- I believe there can be a revival among middle-aged people. The reason I believe in revival among seniors because I are one. Hallelujah. And I feel the fire of God here this morning. Praise God. Amen. And I know he didn't set me on fire and, and, and is just going to give me permission to go off somewhere and lick my wounds and feel sorry for myself. Amen. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a friend he's been to me. Can you say amen? I believe I've made some friends. Amen. I believe if I was broke down by the road, I could call Mike. And he would call Brother Taylor and he'd come and get me. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother Christella, I believe you'd come and get me. If you had the time and it wasn't that inconvenient, I believe your daddy would come and get this poor old pastor standing by the road. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I, believe that, I believe I have some friends that I don't know I have. How can you do that? Well, they still love me. <laughs> Amen. They still appreciate what I stand for. Amen. They're involved in a church themselves somewhere. But, but if you ask them, amen, where they got their foundation. If you ask them, amen, where they got their start. If you ask them where the anointing first ignited the fire that is within them, they'll say the holy church of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. None of this has been in vain. Praise God. God, hallelujah, amen. There are people all over the city of Tampa. In fact, there's a pastor out on Sheldon Road, and, and my wife uh, met her one time. We were at some kind of event years ago, 35 years ago, at least 35 years ago. And she said, she said I'm Pamela Venable. And, of course, you know, they had a big church, and we've always had our small church, and, and that, you know, you just have to introduce yourself because nobody really you think knows who you are and the pastor's wife says i'm so and so and yes i know your husband I've, i know of i know of your husband he is a fiery minister and i thought yeah that's what i like to hear yes i am a fiery minister amen because i have a vision and it is as a fire everybody say fire it's shut up in my bones, but it don't stay in my bones. It comes up and out. Can you say, man, down in that dungeon, down in the mire, Jeremiah said, I won't speak anymore for the Lord. It's got me, it's got me slapped. It's got me beaten. It's got me banished. It's got me punished. And no one is listening anyway. Why should I take this heat and not see any change? And as he mused... On these things. As he thought about God's hand upon his life. And God's commission. Don't look at their faces. That's what he told this young prophet when he started. Don't. Isn't that incredible? I remember Keith Barron used to come. And as an evangelist. And he always preached to the lights. And I thought. You know at first I thought. You know he's not looking at anybody. He's, he's preaching. 
as if nobody's out there. He's preaching like he don't want to be distracted by seeing who is receiving and who isn't. Who is listening and who isn't. Who is glaring at him and who is <laughs> amen. Because you'll become what? Self-conscious instead of God-conscious. You'll become confused. And he had found a key. I'm going to preach to the lights. And I thought, I'm going to try that. I'm going to preach up. <laughs> For as I'm concerned, everybody is saying, hallelujah, amen, brother Venable, glory be to God. The only problem was, amen, God got a hold of me, and I started looking people in the eye. And I said, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to let whatever grimace may come. Keep, I know whom I have believed. I know who has called me. I know what the scriptures teach. I know who is standing with me to deliver this message. And I'm going to look my audience in the eye. And I'm not going to be distracted. And I'm not going to be discouraged. And I'm going to bring that message. And I'm going to declare whether I get a smile or a frown. This is the way. This is the way. And I'm going to back it up biblically. But I'm going to declare it from the scripture. This is the way. Walk ye in it and i'm not going to tone it down uh, to reach people that really don't love jesus in the first place and that's why they don't want to deny themselves and take up a cross in order to follow him because god is bigger than this attitude in the end times and i believe in a revival just before jesus comes i believe in a last day harvest i believe in a shaking and a sifting and i believe it's occurring right here and right now that's why if i wherever i would if i was looking for a church somebody better have that kind of vision that needs to be their vision statement not what I have decided I would love to achieve as my success symbol. No, I want to bring God's word to all those who will hear it. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 The word worked in the first generation. The word will work in our generation. And if people don't receive the word, that will be their problem. It will be between them and God. My responsibility, as Timothy's was, preach the word. Preach the word. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not be ashamed. You can look people in the eye because you know what you're doing and you know what you're saying is thus saith the Lord. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Be instant in season, out of season. But preach the word, Timothy. Preach the word. That's what the devil wanted him to quit doing is preaching the word. For heaven's sakes, preach anything. Market it differently. Frame it differently. No, this is the way. Walk ye in it without respect of persons, without apology. It's God's word. Why should we have to tone it down to reach people who don't want to hear it? They need to hear it. And they need to heed it. Hallelujah. Jesus isn't looking for a bunch of dead bodies in a church practicing a dead religion. He's looking for followers that will devote themselves to Him. Listen to the devotion that's necessary to overcome the devil. As the accuser, all we need is the Word, the blood, and our testimony. That's the only thing we need 
to defeat him as the accuser. But we need something else to defeat him as the tempter. Would you like to hear that just in closing? It'll help me close if you'll say, yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Revelation chapter 12. Now is first the accuser. The accuser of our brethren cast down. That accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Everybody say amen. That's an absolute truth. Hallelujah. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If we were going to cast out a devil from someone who wants deliverance today, we would begin to sing. I would begin to sing about the power of the blood of Jesus. Can you say man? And the word of their testimony. The scripture says to hold fast your confession of faith without wavering. He is faithful that promised. And it's all about what the blood has accomplished in our behalf. Your testimony, your confession of faith is that I am clean. I am cleansed. I am reconciled. Hallelujah. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It, our testimony relates directly to the shed blood of Jesus. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Can you say man? So that testimony means that the devil cannot cannot continue to accuse us when we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Can you say man? But it's not done. His defeat is not absolute yet because he's accusing us of not being faithful to God and not truly serving God. And he's accusing us before God. So there's something called Devotion. Everybody say devotion. Some of you and me coming up through Pentecostal, we thought devotion would develop because we got so many touches from the Lord. We thought if we shouted on Sunday morning, that would equate deep devotion. It did not. It could not. It will not. I know a lot of people that can shout and think that equates to victory. But they don't live in victory. Someone said it. I don't care how you, how you jump. As long as you walk straight when you hit the ground. And as long as you walk in a devoted life to Christ. They overcame him by the word. The blood of the lamb. The word of their testimony. And. 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 It's not done is it? He's not totally defeated. If it's not done, there's another principle. And they loved not their life, even unto the death. Remember what he told the church that was going to have a number of people martyred for the faith in it? In the book of Revelation. Satan is going to put some of you in prison. And some of you are going to lay down your life for following me. Be thou faithful 
unto death. And I will give you a crown of life. Thank God we live in America. Where you don't have to put your life on the line. Because these churches that are not preaching anything that would bring that deep devotion to Christ. They would be emptied. Remember the, when the persecution was in Russia. The underground church there. They would meet from house to house. And they had a safe house. Where they would change the location every week. Because they would be caught sent to Siberia. For following Christ and preaching the gospel. And many were. I can tell you many stories about the devotion of Russian pastors. And Russian people that had come to Jesus. And they were gathered in that house. They were sworn to secrecy. They would not tell anybody where they were meeting. Somebody found out from somebody where they were going to be meeting. And two Russian police guards with automatic weapons burst through the door of the meeting. You can visualize this. True story. Testify by Gregory Vins, a pastor that came out of Russia. They burst into the building. They had their guns at the ready. And they came in and they looked at everybody and everybody's frozen because they've been found out. And they said, who here among you are followers of Jesus? Are Christians? They hesitated for a moment. But under the leadership of their pastor, he put his hand up and they all followed suit. We are. Whatever the consequences, we're followers. Of Jesus Christ. They put their guns down. They walked over to each person. And embraced them and said. We are Christian too. (laughs) But we can't let anybody find out. But we had to know. That you wouldn't tell on us. (laughs) So we wanted to find out. Are you truly, is this truly a Christian gathering? They had come to Christ. They were baptized in water. They became followers of Jesus when it wasn't popular to follow Jesus. Can you say man? Now, are you ready for this title thing? (laughs) Wow. God hath highly exalted him and given. Oh, they love not their life even to the death. They love not their life even to the death. And death to self, not a martyr's death for Christ. But the initial death for the Christian is death to self in order to follow him. Deny yourself means cancel all right to self. Cross yourself out of the equation. But what about me, Brother Bimble? Well, he's going to give you the kingdom. He's going to give you kingdom peace that you can't get in this world. Kingdom joy that nothing in this world will bring you. And he's going to give you eternal life and a crown when this life is over. It's a win-win. It is a win-win. Devotion. Say it with me. Devotion. Not just emotion, but devotion to Jesus. God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, which is named of things in heaven and earth and beneath the earth. That every tongue would confess Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No, 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 no. 
Does it say confess Jesus? Just say the name. And by virtue of identifying with the name, that means you're devoted to Him. Is that what it says? What does the tongue say? Every tongue shall confess that He is Lord to the glory of God. Lord doesn't mean your best friend, although Jesus is. Lord doesn't just mean your financier, although Jesus can finance you. Lord doesn't just mean your healer. I mean, Jesus doesn't just mean your healer. He can be your healer. He can be your helper. But He can't be your Lord until He is your Master. And He can't be your Master till you surrender to Him. And you can't call Him Lord without the help of the Holy Ghost. No man. ever. Jesus is going to be... How many people are naming His name? But He is not the Lord of their life in any sense of the word. He's never presented biblically as Savior and Lord. That's how we tone it down to try to get people to come to poor Jesus. They don't want Him to rule over them. They don't want to surrender to Him. But they want to identify with Him as a follower. He is presented as the Lord Jesus Christ. The title is Lord. The name is Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua. The Christ is the Messiah, the Anointed One. And you have to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And when He is the Lord, and He is your Savior, Yeshua, Yeshua, and when He is, amen, the Anointed One in your life, there is a devotion to Him. And you will follow Him. And you will find victory over the world, flesh, and the devil. You may get knocked down, but you will not get knocked out. You may get sidelined, but you will get back in the race. Have you ever seen a race where a car had a wreck? Hit the sidewall. They slowed everybody down. And sometimes they would get that car right back out on the track and off it goes again. Can you say man? Some of us need to get back on track. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. I can't wait to see revival. Amen. And people who call Him Lord by the Holy Ghost because they fully surrendered to Him and made Him the Lord of their life. Praise God. They gladly deny their self in order to take up their cross in order to follow Him. Hallelujah. Because He's worthy. And he's worth it. Amen. And amen. They love not their life. Even unto the death. Hallelujah. Because Jesus laid down his life for us. Listen. We should lay down our life for the brethren. For one another. We should love enough to put ourselves aside. In order to be a blessing to each other. Is that kind of love? That's why we need revival. Because that's not in the church world, in the church culture today. Do we need it? Absolutely we need it. Because you can't build trust in somebody that don't love you enough to look past your faults 
in order to have a relationship with you. I won't quit you. You're imperfect. You may fail me. But I'm not going to quit you. Wouldn't it be great to have a relationship like that? Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that could occur among the brethren? It brings a unity. It brings a oneness. It brings us into a place where the Holy Spirit is not grieved because of those attitudes of unforgiveness or grudges or whatever it is that's keeping us apart. His body becomes strong. His body becomes effective. Hallelujah. Praise God. And God indwells the whole. What is it? We're fitly framed together. We are brought into one body, fitly framed together. Praise God for God's Spirit to indwell and animate. What a wonderful service this has been. Convicting, yes, that's why we need revival. How many believe you could use some revival today in your own heart, in your own life, and in your commitment to relationships in, within the body? Those cra- th- there's some crazy people in the body. Amen? Not you. Look at somebody and say, not us. That's not a trick thing. I I don't believe you're crazy. I don't believe you're crazy. I could be wrong. I have been before. If you're not coming for the word, you wouldn't be here. We don't have any amenities. There's not a Starbucks. There is a Dunkin' Donuts right over there, but it's not on church property. You made a face. That's good coffee. I see where Paige shows her emotions so freely. Gets it right from Mama. I love it. You know what it says in Plant City? You need to go to the one in Plant City. It says, voted three years best coffee in Plant City. You don't like coffee at all. Oh, it wasn't just the comparing the coffees. It's just coffee in general. Iced tea. A little coffee with your milk. You don't like, yeah, you like... I got you. I got you. Not that bitter taste. That, yeah, kind of like a latte. Okay. <laughs> okay. I see. Amen. I am not retiring. I'm praying. Where does God want me to be? I can't look for encouragement from people that are discouraged because they don't have anything to offer but discouragement. Everywhere you turn, somebody is disgruntled, discouraged. And if you listen to them, hear what they have to say, it'll always be discouraging. But when I look to the Lord, I'm encouraged. And I'm encouraged to continue to minister where God opens the door. And I thanked him this morning like he asked me to do. And I was so happy to do it because I was so happy he was talking to me. And telling me something to do so I could do it. Amen. He said, would you thank me for all the closed doors and everything that dead ended? I said, absolutely. You're in control. I ask you to be in control. Look at us right now. He's still in control. Some may come back. Some may never come back. But God is in control. And believe me, it's time for a change. I'd rather be going slowly somewhere.
and going nowhere fast. Everybody say glory to God. So I'm so glad to be right here going somewhere. Where are you going, Brother Ben? I have no idea, but when we get there, it sure is going to be nice, isn't it? Praise God. Why don't God just do this or that? Because he's God. And because you're impatient and I'm impatient. And one of the ways he teaches us patience is telling us to wait on him. So we're waiting upon the Lord today. And in the meantime, I've been drying here. This is a good place. It saved us almost 5000 Well, it saved us three times 15 $4,500 just by being here. That we can still leave in the treasury. Thank you, Fellowship Baptist Church. Thank you for my friend. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. That said, come on. Come on. He even told me, leave your stuff here if you need to. Amen. How many believe God still has something for this generation? How many believe this generation still needs to hear and heed, thus saith the Lord? That that's not too heavy for the postmodern Christian in the postmodern world. Hallelujah. And those of you that are waiting on God for miracles in your life, they're coming. They're coming. He confirms not just his word when he's preached on healing or deliverance. He confirms every bit of his word with signs following. And I've been praying the prayer of the apostles because apostle means sent one. I know there were 12 original. I know there were specific things he did with that 12 to seed the gospel, foundation it. But then there was another 70 that wasn't part of that 12. And they went out in the power of that 12 and because of the name of Jesus and the authority to use it. Can you say, man, hallelujah. We're going to close today and receive the offering in closing. And I want to tell you how much I appreciate you. And I want to tell you that I'm glad that you are here today. Praise God. And I want to tell you that I have a vision. And the vision begins with bringing God's word to this generation. And God's opening doors for me personally to minister in Pakistan. And now in Africa, the last video that we made went by television to Africa. And we're grateful for that. It was live in Africa. It was live in Pakistan. And I'm invited back again uh, to minister wherever it's going to go the next time. Uh, one, one, one organization owns the TV. It's a satellite network. It can be received anywhere in the world. And we're so grateful for that door to minister to ministers and others and encourage them to stay the course. Hallelujah. I just met last week. Oh, and the seminar was crazy, and it was all, I just didn't get anything because I don't, I'm not into marketing Jesus. Amen. But anyway, and I believe in revival. But uh, I met a man from India, and his daddy was a Holy Ghost preacher in India. He came up through the ranks, got saved from alcohol and, and worshiping all those false gods, came to know Christ as his Savior, and a man had been killed by in an automobile accident, a truck ran over him in front of the church, and it t tore a, a, an appendage from his body. And they brought him in. What is it? Exang exang when you're bleeding out. Exanguating. It's something like that. When you're bleeding out. Because it had torn the arteries and everything, the muscle and the arteries were torn. They brought him in. 
And his daddy said, because they were in a church filled with the Holy Ghost in India, and God just showing out to let him know who's, who is Lord here. When Jesus is Lord, there's nothing impossible with him. Brought him in, and they threw him upon. They cleared off the table, evidently something like this. And they, his, his dad said, put him up on that table. And let's pray. And said, where's his arm? <laughs> they went out there and got his bloody, stumpy arm and said, put it where it's supposed to be. Amen. Anybody ever play that game with the guy you take the operation? Yeah, you, you know, this, this, this is for real. They put his arm up there where it was supposed to be. They gathered around. He said, I was little. And I was trying to look over their shoulder, and they began to pray that God would touch this man. He's not breathing, but they're praying that God would touch him. And then they all started hollering, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, see, he has a problem in America. He doesn't have a problem in India because they already believe in the supernatural. They believe cows are holy. I mean, they're believers. You've got to give them that. Can you say, man? They're already believing something. Even something wrong, but at least they believe. And when you get them believing the right thing, they really believe it. And there's nothing impossible to him that believes. Woo! So they were never told that God couldn't. And they were never told that God wouldn't. So they gathered around and prayed, and the man <clears throat> took a breath. His heart began to beat. And his arm, what they call that kind of creative miracle. And I, you know something? I'm a believer, and it's hard to believe. <laughs> Come on. This, this, this is not just uncommon. This is... A notable miracle. And God loves to work them where all the false gods are being presented to distinguish himself with power. Can you say, oh, don't, we got to get out of here. They're going to come back. Can you say, man, and we're still going to be here. God, what, how did he do it? Let the God that answers by fire. It's power that distinguishes our God. Not just the correct theology, but the God that He is. The true and the living God. Hallelujah. Amen. He said that man got up off of that table and everybody saw it. And he said, if you want something that will build your church, you want something that will bring a revival, the next guy you see tore up on the street, go get him and pray that God will raise him up. He said, they'll come. He said, Buddhists came. Monks came and got saved. All kinds of different uh, Hindus came and got saved because they saw that Jesus is Lord and God is the true and the living God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah! Woo! And he's so excited. But he said, when I tell people that in America... They look at me like you must be crazy. And he said, I've seen what God can and will do when people just simply put all their faith in him. So I want you to know today, whatever you're facing, just keep believing God. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot 
But you've got to use every bit you got. Faith, faith, faith. Just a little bit of faith. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We're going to have an offering song and close in prayer. And I want to thank you once again for coming today. No, yes, we are. Yes, we are. We've got time for that. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm glad God isn't through with this ministry.